Good morning and welcome. My name's Dan, and uh, I'm so glad you're here with us this morning. And if you're uh, with us online, a special welcome to you as we start this month of October, and the weather changes and it feels like fall, and we get to celebrate Thanksgiving today. It's so good. We have so much to be thankful for. I'd invite you, if you're able, to stand with us as we worship in song. Let us worship our King. Come, let us bow at His feet. He has done great things. See what our Savior has done. See how His love overcomes. He has done great things. He has done great things. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquered the grave. You free every captive and break every chain. Oh, God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive. Oh, Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high. Oh, God, you have done great things. been faithful through every storm. You'll be faithful forevermore. You have done great things. And I know you will do it again. For your promise is yes and amen. You will do great things. God, you do great things. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquered the grave. You free every captive and break every chain. Oh, God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive. Oh, Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high. Oh, God. You have done great things. Hallelujah, God, above it all. Hallelujah, God, unshakable. Hallelujah, you have done great things. Above it all, hallelujah, God, unshakable, hallelujah, you have done great things, hallelujah, God, above it all, hallelujah, God, unshakable, hallelujah, 
done great things. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquered the grave. You free every captive and break every chain, oh God. You have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive. Oh, Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high, oh God. You have done great things. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquered the grave. You free every captive and break every chain, oh God. You have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive. Oh, Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high, oh God. You have done great things. You have done great things. Oh, God, you do great things. Oh, that 
brought me to the fold I can see a light 
that is coming for the heart that holds on. A glorious light beyond all compare. And there will be an end to these troubles, but until that day comes, we'll live to know you're here on the earth. And I will fear no That is coming for the heart that holds on. There will be an end to these troubles, but until that day comes, still I will praise you. Still I will praise you. Yes, I can see the light that is coming for the heart that holds on. There will be an end to these troubles, but until that day comes, still I will praise you, still I will praise you. Oh no, you never let go through the calm and through the storm. Oh no, you never let go in every high and every low and oh no you never let go lord you never let go of me oh no you never let go through the calm and through the storm oh no you never let go in every high and every low oh no you never let go, Lord, you never let go of me. Lord, you never let go of me. Lord, you never let go Thanksgiving Sunday, and uh, we thought it'd be good to pray together. So we are going to pray through a responsive prayer, which uh, if you haven't done one of those before, when it says all, you are all, and it is bold. And when it says leader, that will, I'll take those words. <laughs> On this Thanksgiving Sunday, let all God's people say, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. We offer you our praise today, O Lord, author of the universe, 
and giver of every good and perfect gift. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. You are good. Your love has made us whole. Your love has saved us. Your love sustains us. Your love is our food and our home and our strength. Your love is the comfort for our past, the guide for our present, and the hope for our future. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Thank you for the world which you have created, for the beauty and strength, the vastness and depth, the intricacy and fragility of it all. You have made all things for us to enjoy and care for. We, we give, give you praise, praise, O Lord. Thank you for a nation of relative freedom and wealth where we can gather and together declare your greatness. We give you praise, O Lord. Thank you for places to live, both humble and great. Thank you for food and drink that sustain our bodies and gladden our hearts. We give you praise, O Lord. Thank you for the gift of each other, for family and friends, and for this church, that together our burdens are shared, our pains are lessened, and our joys are multiplied. We give you praise, O Lord. Thank you for the gift of your salvation, that by the sacrifice of Jesus we might know you and be called your children. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Help us to live with the kind of humility and generosity that is befitting of a people blessed far beyond merit and indeed beyond understanding. May it be so today and always as we join with all nature in manifold witness to your great faithfulness, mercy, and love. Amen. Risen from the dead, he now reigns victorious, his kingdom knows no end. Through his resurrection, death has lost its hold. I know on that final day, I'll rise as Jesus rose. On that day, we will see you shining brighter than the sun on that day we will know you as we lift our voices one till that day we will praise you for your never-ending grace and we will keep on singing on that glorious day What a blessed hope 
Though now tired and worn, we will spend eternity around our Savior's throne. Though we grieve our losses, we grieve not in vain. For we know our crown of glory waits beyond the grave. On that day, we will see you shining brighter than the sun. On that day, we will know you as we lift our voices one. Till that day, we will praise you for your never-ending grace. And we will keep on singing on that glorious day. Hallelujah, what a day it will be. For at home with you my joy is complete. As I run into your arms open wide, I will see. joy is complete as I run into your arms open wide I will see my father who is waiting for me my father who is waiting for me on that day we will see you Shining brighter than the sun on that day, we will know you as we lift our voices one. Till that day, we will praise you for your never-ending grace, and we will keep on singing on that glorious day. On that day, we will see you shining brighter than the sun on that day we will know you as we lift our voices one till that day we will praise you for your never-ending grace and we will keep on singing on that glorious day and we will keep on singing on that glorious day and we will keep on singing on that glorious day thank you god that we have today um to give you praise lord um, as we do every day and we thank you that one day there will be um that day when Every voice on earth uh, will lift your name up on high, God. Yes, we thank you, God. Thank you, worship team. What a glorious day. Uh, welcome again to each of you. Uh, for making Thanksgiving morning part of, uh, here at Hillside, part of your day and your weekend. And a welcome again to those online. 
a happy Thanksgiving to each of you. We get a whole extra day, a, a long weekend. Even society realizes we need extra time to say thanks, doesn't it? Uh, if you're new today, it's awesome that you're here. Thank you for joining us on Thanksgiving. And uh, we've got a number of ways we'd love for you to connect with us. There's a connect card in the pocket just in front of you. And if you fill that out, there's a box in the back. We've got a, a welcome center with Lynn at the back, and she'd love to greet you and uh, give you some information on us. Or uh, we'd love to speak to you uh, directly and, and welcome you, or any of our pastors or ourselves. Uh, if there's a way that we can serve you, uh, we'd love to do that. So uh, welcome, and I ho hope you can get connected that way. A uh, special shout out this morning to uh, Carol. Where's there? There she is. Our lovely Carol Hansen has uh, done the uh, decorations for Thanksgiving here. She hates it when I embarrass her, but uh, they are beautiful. Thank you, Carol. Um, and thanks to all of you who brought food gifts, uh, non-perishable gifts for our food bank this morning. And if you forgot and went, ah, oh, I was going to do that, it's not too late. There's a little cash jar off to the side. So those of you who have a little cash stuck in your pocket or wallet and you don't know what to do with it, there's a good place for it. Uh, that goes directly to the Share Food Bank. And we're also going to be buying candy in your shopping in the next couple of weeks. If you can donate a box or a bag of candy for our Halloween kids outreach for the community and bring those by to the church in the coming weeks, that'd be great. Two other things that are happening in community news I want to make sure you're aware of. First up, the Faith and Works Conference. Uh, CA Church, that's a neighbor church just down the road from us, is hosting an excellent half-day seminar, a conference on Saturday, October 21. The theme is Faith and Work. Thinking about how does your faith relate to your work, and how does your work intersect with your faith? How do you put those two together in, in really good ways? They've got some amazing speakers. I looked over the list. I've signed up. Uh, you want to come and join me? I think it'd be great. Registration, $35. Details are either through our uh, email reminder or on the CA website. The other piece of community news is our intro to life groups. If you're ready to join a life group and haven't yet had an opportunity, in this September, we've got a five-week intro to life groups. It's going to be great. It starts Wednesday, October 25th and you can go to myhillside.ca to register there. We'd love to have you join our life groups and get to know one another in that way. So this is a time of our morning where we give as part of our worship, and if you came prepared to give, then there's a physical donation box at the back, or you can always give online at myhillside.ca. Thank you for the giving that you do, and maybe we can just bow in prayer again and give thanks this morning. So, God of all good things, thank you for the many ways you are active in our life and for all the good gifts you give. On this Thanksgiving Day, we thank you so much for how you sent your son to die. Thank you for caring for us spiritually and mentally and physically. And help us to be good stewards of all you put in our care, to love others, to love our neighbors as you invite us to. Thank you now for the financial gifts you've given online and in person. All we have comes from you. Would you bless and multiply our gifts to bring you glory and to share your love with the community? Amen. Well, we're going to take a three-minute break.
in just a moment. Uh, I want to remind you we have an unstaffed nursery uh, that's just around the corner past the West Hall, and that's for kids up to three. And we also have kids programs this morning for children aged three to grade five. And if you'd head out through the lobby doors that way now, and the rest of you, welcome one another and maybe offer what's one thing you're thankful for this weekend? Good morning, everyone. If you want to have a seat, that would be fantastic. Welcome, uh, all of you, and those of you home online watching in, tuning in. Uh, one of my pastor friends, Jan, is, is Jan Beal, is watching from home, apparently. So can we just say hi to Jan? Would that be, make her day? Can we do that? Everybody, hi, Jan. 
That was terrible, guys. I don't think she felt that at all. But um, I, I, uh, I want to start by just thanking you for the outpouring of love and encouragement last uh, Sunday. It was uh, unreal to be uh, kind of on the spotlight there and encouraged for the 25 years that I've served here. And it's been just an honor and privilege, as I said last week. Uh, thank you. Uh, there was an outpouring of cards and gifts, and I literally just uh, went straight to a, a denominational conference on Monday, and so I haven't had a chance to reach out to everyone who uh, was just so kind, and the church was just generous as well, and I want to say thanks to all of you uh, for those cards and gifts and just support and love. A lot of kind words. Somebody actually uh, gave me a, um, they just know my heart, they gave me a two-pound coin that was printed in honor of J.R.R. Tolkien and the Lord of the Rings. I think it's got Elvish on it and everything, and I'm like... They know my love language. It's just beautiful. Um, thanks for not giving me like elven ears or anything. I promise I will never ever dress in any Lord of the Rings gear on a Sunday again. Wait a minute. I did that last week, didn't I? Um, it's Thanksgiving and, and it's time where we're thankful for all kinds of things. I want to say I am thankful for this congregation, this community that, it, that God is forming here, that is Hillside Community Church. Uh, why don't you turn to the person next to you and just say, Thank you. I'm so glad you're here. Just would you do that for a moment? I, I saw that husband reach over to his wife and say, I'm somewhat glad that you're here. That, that's not, guys, like, follow instructions. Um, before we, we get into our message today, some of you will have heard of the war that has broken out, the surprise invasion yesterday by Hamas into Israel. And uh, it's just, again, I, I think our hearts are still reeling over the war that we see uh, continue to unfold in the Ukraine, and as we see another hot spot in the world of just devastation and destruction and uh, people not being able to work things out, uh, it kind of breaks the heart. And so why don't we pause for a moment just to uh, lift up our, our world that uh, is going through all kinds of strife in all kinds of ways, and we just want to remember that while we have so much to be grateful for, there are people who are truly suffering today. And so, God, we pray, Lord, we don't even know how to pray in these situations, except, Lord, would you break into that situation? Would you bring about your peace, Lord? Would you stop the fighting, Father, we pray? We just see um, the destruction that comes when people can't work things out. And uh, so we pray, Jesus, you might walk in that place. That, Lord, we think of um, Israel being the, the actual part of the earth that you walked on, and you kept warning about the consequences of, of uh, proud hearts. And God, we're seeing that unfold in places like Ukraine and other places in the world, and we see that in Israel today. So Father, we pray, Jesus, would you um, mend hearts? Would you uh, help those who are suffering, those who have lost loved ones? And we pray your grace would be applied there, God, we pray. And today, in the, the topic that we're dealing with, Lord, it's so related. And I pray we might have open hearts to hear your heart for us, your warning to us, your encouragement to us. I pray, Jesus, we might be uh, ready to receive and to do and to act on what we hear today, that we might not, not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. So lead us, we pray, as we uh, dive into your scripture, your your word for us today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, this morning we're diving back into our Gospel According to Matthew series. Uh, we're in Matthew 18. If you've got a Bible, you're 
welcome to turn there. It'd be helpful for you maybe, uh, and you probably have an app. You can do that as well. Um, one reason we've been fo- focusing our teaching time in Matthew over these last couple of years now, and we just kind of go away from it, but we come back to it, is simply our desire as a community to grow our apprenticeship to Jesus, to learn what it means to follow him, and, and what better way to do that, to learn his ways, than to study his life through one of the first-hand accounts in his teaching. Now, Matthew 18, great passage on relationships. Uh, we studied the first half way back in May, and uh, this whole chapter is about relationships and the priority of working out conflict and hurt with one another. Jesus is both incredibly wise and eminently practical and realistic about how challenging it is in our broken world to deal with this. Because we all know that we don't have to live very long in this world till we get hurt or we hurt someone. Everyone in this room, if I asked you who's been wronged in your lifetime, all hands would go up. As a pastor, I can't begin to count the times I've heard from people how they've been wounded or mistreated or victimized. I've sat in coffee shops across from a friend and heard stories of betrayal and heartbreak that have simply wrecked me. And you may have come in this morning carrying the weight of a serious wrong done to you this past week, this past year, or in past years. If that's your situation today, I'm going to suggest that this will be a challenging message. Um, Because God wants to do a work in you. And I also say it's good news because God is a gracious healer and he longs to help remove what is toxic to our hearts so that we might live lives of life and joy. The work God does in us is called forgiveness. Um, To start, I'm going to go back to the beginning again. Uh, Genesis chapter 4, there's a story. It's a guy named Lamech. The story is Lamech killed a guy for wounding him. And then Lamech kind of makes this vow. It's quite poetic in the passage itself. Um, But he he makes this vow or declaration that he's going to do 77 times over to anyone who does anything to him. And that became known as kind of the law of Lamech. It's the idea that if anyone inflicts pain on me, I will make them pay. And frankly, I think the movie writers in Hollywood, this is all they write about, right? It's the, it's the theme of far too many films from way back in my childhood, like Charles Bronson and Death Wish to Equalizer, and now we've got John Wick 1, 2, 3, and 4. Apparently, you don't mess with John Wick's dog. That's all you need to know about the John Wick series. But it's just so instinctual to to want to respond that way when we're hurt. And sometimes, unfortunately, people actually act it out. That's that's how life goes, and that's how life ends when we live by the law of Lamech. And Jesus came beautifully to reverse that law, and he invites us to join him in that journey, both in our lives and the world around us. So Matthew 18, verse 21, reads... Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Uh, This is coming in the middle of a a discussion about hurt relationships, and Peter comes to Jesus and says, someone hurt me. Someone did me wrong, not just once, Lord. I, I know I'm supposed to forgive, Jesus. 
but it feels unfair. <laughs> Why should I be the one who's always forgiving people? How often do I have to forgive people? Up to seven times? Interesting, uh, rabbinic teaching in Jesus' day said that you were to forgive people three times, and then after that, you could seek revenge. <laughs> nice, right? Peter was actually being quite generous when, when he suggested he, he doubled the, the number to six and then added one to have the perfect biblical number of seven, and he's thinking Jesus would now commend him. And you know if you've ever been hurt and you call yourself a Christian, you know in your head you're, you're meant to be a forgiver. Uh, but forgiveness looks and feels risky. Forgiveness sounds like kind of one of those spiritual things that Jesus invites us to do that just doesn't make a lot of sense in the real world where we actually live. But this is how Jesus responds to Peter. I tell you, forgive not seven times, but 77 times. 77. Why 77? Why that number? Well, I, I, I think it's a large number, and, I, and if you're counting, you're probably going to stop counting by then. It's, a, it's meant to be a limitless number. But I think Jesus is also pointing back to Lamech, the law of revenge and bitterness and grudge holding and clearly saying, that is not the way. Because when it comes to life and relationships, there are really kind of two paths that we can go down. We can choose the law of Lamech, the law of bitterness and revenge, which leads to death. Or we can choose Jesus' call to forgiveness, which leads to life. So this morning, I want to ask the question, what is it we're being invited to do by Jesus? Why is forgiveness the way to life? What is forgiveness? And we'll start by considering what forgiveness is not. First of all, forgiveness is not forgetting. Um, sometimes I forget where I put something. You know, I, I, apparently I'm not alone in this. Uh, Canadians, Americans, uh, apparently we will spend apparently... 153 days of our lifetimes searching for lost things. Lost keys, lost glasses, lost paperwork, all that kind of stuff, right? You know it. It's true in your life. But forgetting where I put something is very different from forgetting a serious hurt that someone has caused me. I, 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 I still may remember the hurt even if I've forgiven someone. I mean, doesn't uh, Jeremiah say God will remember our sins no more? That's true. But does that mean that God has amnesia? I, I think it means that God feels about us the way he would feel as if he had forgotten. And here's the key. We can find the power to forgive what we still remember. Secondly, forgiveness is not reconciling. Reconciliation is always the best case scenario that happens with, after people who have hurt each other and then sit down, talk it out, take responsibility, and, uh, and appropriately apologize. Reconciliation takes place in, in good marriages, in good families, and in good churches when all is forgiven, and then at the end of it, relationships are restored. It's a beautiful thing. But you can forgive someone without a reconciled relationship. You're still called to forgive. You're still called to forgive. It might not mean reconciliation right off the bat. 
but you can still forgive because that's what Jesus calls you to. I don't see any other option. Yeah, I know. That's the, that's the thing, isn't it? It probably needs to go both ways. Let's, let's talk about this later, Al. Thank you for sharing that. It's a good point. Um, sometimes in the case of abuse that you've experienced, you know, reconciliation is not an option. Sometimes you're forgiving someone who's not around anymore, and reconciliation is impossible. Uh, C.S. Lewis said he finally forgave the schoolmaster who abused both he and his brother, but it was 30 years after the, the schoolmaster had died. For Lewis, reconciliation wasn't possible because reconciliation requires rebuilding trust and good faith on both parties. By, by the way, I, I think it is such a noble pursuit that we are after in Canada reconciling with our indigenous brothers and sisters. It is such a good thing. Truth and reconciliation is a practice that Jesus encourages us toward. This is not the government's idea. It's actually Jesus' idea that we work things out, that we strive towards reconciliation. So forgiveness, again, it doesn't mean forgetting or pretending that the hurt never happened. Forgiving, forgiveness is really, quick definition, is, is replacing the ill will towards the offender with goodwill. And I want to say this, forgiveness also doesn't mean giving up on justice. Forgiveness simply means desiring the ultimate good of the offender, and this can be done without excusing the wrongful action and while still pursuing a course of justice. And really the thrust of our, our teaching this morning is that, that, that of course forgiveness can be a good and powerful and freeing experience, but not forgiving those who hurt us is a terrible option, according to Jesus. Throughout Scripture and through the teachings of Jesus, there's almost nothing he warns us more about than the path of unforgiveness. He does so in our text with a parable, as he often taught in stories. Let's, let's walk through this story. It's quite profound. Verse 23. It says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents or 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. And since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debts. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Let's pause here for a moment in the story. Now, in Jesus' stories, the characters often represent God and his people. And this is what's going on here. In, in this story, the king represents God, and we represent the, the servant who owes 10,000 talents, or as the NIV puts it, 10,000 bags of gold. I like their translation of that. Now, if you think uh, that 10,000 bags of gold is a lot, you'd be right, actually, <laughs> Some historians believe that, that during Jesus' lifetime, the entire wealth of the Roman Empire was something like 4,000 to 5,000 talents of gold. In other words, this is an enormous, unthinkable number. Think maybe our national debt or maybe your mortgage in Vancouver. Jesus' uh, point is because of our sin, 
in our rebellion against God, we all owe God a spiritual and moral debt that we're powerless to pay. And under the, the law, the thinking is, we owe, therefore we pay. But because God loves us so very much, and, and because God, he, doesn't, he knows we'll never be able to pay what we owe. We'll never be able to dig ourselves out of this that pit we're in. And so out of his great, great mercy, he cancels our debt through what he does through his son Jesus on the cross, giving his life for us. That's why the cross always has been and always will be at the heart of Christianity. It's the ultimate expression of God's kingdom, that it's always grounded on God's mercy and compassion and forgiveness. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. It saved a wretch like me. Now, because God's kingdom is founded on his grace and forgiveness, it empowers those who walk the Jesus way to become debt freers, to, to forgive those who are indebted to us. Forgiven people can forgive because they've experienced the lavish grace and forgiveness of God. But it doesn't always go that way, does it? Sometimes forgiveness doesn't flow. We don't forgive. And, and Jesus kind of spotlights this in the rest of the story. Verse 28. He says, But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. And his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's a stunning contrast that Jesus gives here. The servant is now in this position of power, and it's now someone else that's begging for mercy, a position he'd just been in, and he just won the mercy lottery. I mean, seriously. Debts paid. He owes everything to the the lavishly insane generosity of the master. But what does the servant do? Unlike the king, he had no mercy on those who were indebted to him, uh, comparably a tiny, tiny amount. He says, I'm owed, and you're going to pay. <laughs> and it's this ridiculous contrast that Jesus paints for us, right, as he often did in stories like this. Who would do that? Well, here's the problem. We can have a tendency to think that we can receive the forgiveness of, from God, but not give it to others. Uh, a few years ago, the Journal for Adult Development did a study on forgiveness. By the way, in the last 20 years, there have been literally thousands of, of studies on the power of forgiveness, all showing it's kind of an essential thing for us to work on. All the studies play this out. But in this study, 75% of people surveyed believed that they had been forgiven by God for past sins, mistakes, or wrongdoing. But only 52% said that they had ever forgiven others. Even fewer, just 43% say they sought forgiveness for a wrong they did to someone else. Jesus wasn't blowing smoke when he was talking about this in the story. This is a live deal in our world. Jesus doesn't think that the call that we can get forgiveness from God without giving forgiveness to others a bad idea or as insufficient theology or as weak thinking. He calls it impossible. 
Um, writer Anne Lamott said this. She said, I went around saying for a long time that I am not one of the Christians who is heavily into forgiveness, that I am one of the other kind. But even though it was funny and actually true, it started to be, be, started to be too painful to stay this way. In fact, not forgiving is like drinking rat poison and waiting for the rat to die. That's, that quote's gone around and has been attributed to just about everybody, by the way, so I don't know who actually said it first. But not forgiving is like rat poison and waiting for the rat to die. So back to forgiveness. Forgiveness isn't natural. It's actually supernatural. That's why it's essential to let God's grace kind of go deep in our hearts and lives. That's why Paul often prayed this. He prayed that we would know the grace of Jesus, that we'd get to know that, that, that our faith would be established in his love, to, to humbly consider in our own lives how much we've been forgiven. Otherwise, when we get hurt, and we will get hurt, we'll get stuck in the emotional and, and spiritual cement of bitterness and hatred and revenge, and eventually that leads to our ruin. Well, Jesus knows this, and he drives it home with the last part of his story. Verse 31, it says, When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged. They went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? So the word gets to the king about the servant's bad behavior, and he calls the servant in and says, You don't get it, do you? I offered you this immeasurable gift of grace and forgiveness. I canceled your debt, but you wouldn't live in it. You wouldn't receive it for yourself. You wanted to receive it for yourself and then deny it to others. That's not how it works here. And Jesus would say, that's not how it works in my kingdom. Verse 34, he concludes his parable with this. In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Wow. And I want to say this isn't about God you know, punishing us for unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is its own reward. This is where unforgiveness leads. It, Jesus described it as being handed over to the jailers and being tortured. Amazing Angel and I had this whole idea imprinted on us quite powerfully recently. I asked Angel for permission to share her story. Normally, I don't ask her permission, and you know this very well. Today, I did, just so you know. Uh, our marriage is getting better, right, hon? Just like a high-five moment. Yeah, we rock. Angela had a conflict a while back with someone, and uh, through it, honestly, just got really hurt by it. Um, it wasn't good at all. She'd been clearly wronged, and she was feeling this. Uh, it was just, it started just kind of, she was feeling hurt, and she was feeling angry, and uh, it was kind of there, just kind of residing under the surface of her life a little bit. When she had quiet moments, it would come up again, percolate. One night, um, God woke up Angel with a kind of a powerful image. It was actually a memory. It was, it's really cool the way God can speak sometimes. And he brought a memory to her of, of what holding on to that hurt or anger would do to her. It was, a, it was a strong memory from her childhood. 
Now, now, trigger warning here. This is a kind of a gross story. Uh, but when Angel was a little girl, her family uh, were going through a really hard time. They didn't have a lot of money. In fact, the whole nation of Sri Lanka was struggling. They were going through an economic crisis at that time. They uh, had government policies that meant food was cut off from the nation. And so many, many people were suffering and, and hungry. A lot of people hungry, including Angel's family. And in Sri Lanka, it's often common to have tapeworms. Tapeworms are parasites that uh, get into your system. They live in your digestive system and basically feed off you. And one night, Angel hadn't eaten uh, for maybe a day or two, and, and she woke up choking and gagging in the night. And in desperation, she reached back into her mouth to the back of her throat and found something there, and she started to pull at it, and she proceeded to pull a tapeworm from her mouth and straight from her stomach, like, like the whole thing. I mean, gross, right? Not disgusting? Some of you will never be able to get that image out of your mind. Um, I'm sorry about that. Um, it had been living within her. And prior to that, Angel had said, like, because of, like, many children in that nation that were underfed, she was kind of had a distended stomach, and she was maybe malnourished, and uh, she had, it, it's, part of it was she'd had this tapeworm living in her, and this is what parasites do. They rob you of your nourishment, and they make you weak. And God sent an angel that night, just a few weeks ago. She said, that's what unforgiveness does to you. It's like a tapeworm inside of you that's stealing your life right out from under you. And I got to tell you, Angel was shocked and repulsed by that image. And she began a journey of forgiving that person who hurt her. It's a powerful story. I've been thinking about that a lot this week about how forgiveness is really the healing of our unforgiveness. Uh, this week in a video blog, John, it was just really cool for preacher man here, but John Ortberg was doing a blog series, devotional blog, that I've been following for a couple of years. And uh, the theme this whole week was, was forgiveness and unforgiveness. And he brought on, uh, had a kind of a podcast style. He was uh, interviewing Everett uh, Worthington. Everett Worthington is a renowned psychiatrist in the States, um, and one of the premier uh, students of forgiveness, of this whole, whole idea of forgiveness. Powerful stories that Everett shared. But um, found this really, really helpful, and I'll just share it with you this morning. Everett suggests there's actually a little journey towards unforgiveness that we can take, and it involves really five states, or five sort of steps. He says, first of all, there's the transgression. You know, somebody does something to me, somebody criticizes me, somebody rejects me, somebody cuts me off. That's the offense. And then secondly, there's my perception of the offense. Now, my perception of it may not be accurate. It's kind of like when Angel wakes up in the morning and she's mad at me, and I ask her why she's mad at you, and it was because I was misbehaving in her dream, not in real life. Um... That's perception. That's her perception of this bad dream. Sorry, am I? Anyway, I'm. I'm, I, I'm whatever I credit I got earlier, I just withdrew. I, I might think the other person has, has done something wrong when they actually haven't. But regardless, I perceive it, and then that leads to the emotions of anger or hurt or fear. 
Those are, those are negative emotions. But this is really important. Those are not unforgiveness. Those might actually be a healthy response to something bad happening to you. Uh, those exist as kind of a warning light to say there's something wrong, something needs attention, something needs to get fixed. However, if that something doesn't get fixed appropriately, the fourth stage in the journey to unforgiveness is what Everett Worthington calls rumination. Rumination, uh, if you think about it, it's what cows do. You know what cows do? They eat the grass and they swallow it and then they regurgitate the grass and chew it again and swallow it and then regurgitate it again. That's, that's sorry, you didn't want that definition either. <laughs> Rumination is sometimes called the bad boy of emotional health. When I ruminate on, on it, I stew on it. I indulge my negative thoughts and I think about the wrong. I retell the story of what happened to me to make me feel more and more like a self-righteous victim and convinced myself that the person who hurt me is a villain, that they are indeed a bad person. And over time, it's that process of rumination that leads to unforgiveness. So unforgiveness is really a, a blend, a jumbled up combination of emotions like resentment and bitterness and hatred and hostility and stress and fear that eventually becomes this kind of state of unforgiveness that begins to reside, finds a home inside my heart and my mind and even in my body. Now, uh, we see this journey played out in Scripture. I think of one of the earliest stories in Scripture. Again, back to Genesis 4. Before Lamech, there were two brothers, Cain and Abel. By the way, Cain is, is Lamech's great-great-great-grandfather. And, and in the story, Cain is hurt, and he's offended by the way God accepts his brother's Abel's sacrifice. Now, Abel has not done anything that requires Cain to forgive it, but Cain is hurt nonetheless, and he's angry, and God comes to Cain like a therapist, and he says, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. And friends, I want to say this. There is a spiritual reality in, in this world, and when we are dealing with sin and unforgiveness in our lives, there are things that are too much for any of us to handle. I can't, God can. But it's such a striking line. It desires to have you. And I felt that experience of struggling with resentment or bitterness and anger, and I'm wrestling with it, and it's like there's a spirit attached to it, and it wants to have me. But God says to Cain, but you must rule over it. This is not a fait accompli. You, you actually have some choice in the matter. We can do something to prevent it. We can rule over it. And this is, I think, one of the action steps I want to invite you into this morning. Just want to encourage you, you and, and encourage me to take a look inside, inside our minds and inside our hearts, asking the question, how do I deal with the hurts and offenses that come my way? How do I deal with the hurts and offenses that come my way? How often am I a ruminator. 
How often do I tell myself a story that makes me a victim? And the, and the hope here is that there are steps we can take, things we can do. But it begins, ironically, by actually being quite open, by not, depress, not, not denying, not repressing our feelings, not forgetting, actually becoming more aware of when do I feel hurt? <laughs> when is that getting into me? And in particular, again, not just anger and fear and hurt in the moment, but when do I begin to ruminate on it? I think it's so helpful to notice this and to recognize unforgiveness that's crouching at your door. Unforgiveness wants to have you. It wants you. It wants me. It really does in so many ways. Don't we see this played out in our world even in this weekend? I mean, the, the story of Cain and Abel has happened in the Middle East this weekend, just like it did many, many years ago. But it wants to have you. But with God's help, it does not have to have you. It doesn't have to have me. I can know the power of forgiveness through our friend Jesus, who won it and offered it, and through it changed the world. To wrap up, I'm going to invite you to learn a prayer this morning. It's simply this. God, would you help me release my offender? Would you help me to release my offender? Give me grace like you've given me. Help me give grace like you've given me. Listen to what Paul says in Colossians 3. He says, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. You know, we often, I think, forget that the root word of forgive is give. We're able to give forgiveness to someone. We're able to give it as a gift. I, I think we're only really able to give a gift that we've received. And so, of course, we, we have to have a relationship with God where we actually know that we've been, our slate's been wiped clean, that, that we actually don't carry the guilt of our own baggage. I wonder for some this morning whether actually your forgiveness issue is more about you forgiving yourself. Some of you, and, and, and it, by the way, if if you are struggling to forgive yourself from something that you've done, you go back to the cross and you give it to Jesus again. And you also lay down your pride. Because part of it is you, you felt in your heart that you were better than that. Unforgiveness sometimes can literally be a superiority complex where we actually believe we're better than this or we're better than that or we're better than them. And so... A journey of forgiveness involves, I think, humbly coming and realizing, I, I let myself down too, and I, I need your forgiveness, Jesus. And some of you, a great step you could take is actually bringing your own attitude towards your own heart, your own unforgiveness towards you. That would be a good thing to lay down. You know, uh, Angel, when she forgave that person, she told me, she says, it wasn't as difficult as I thought it would be. It was interesting how the Holy Spirit helped her as she stepped out. You see, the other thing, is, it's just a fact with her, and if you know her, you know this. Angel knows she's been forgiven. And she knows this. She knows God's mercy in her life. Many, many Sundays, you'll see her at the front here with her hands raised and tears are running down her face as she con contemplates God's goodness and faithfulness to her. Undeserved favor on her life. All her debt wiped clean. 
Because forgiven people forgive. Tim Keller says, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe, yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. That's the truth. Our sins, though they be innumerable, but God's grace in Christ washes away each one if we will receive that gift. What do forgiven people do according to Jesus? Forgiven people forgive. And there are those of you today who it would be an easier thing than you think to release an offender in your life. To, to ask for God's help and to say, Lord, I don't know how to do this. I know you can. Would you help me forgive? And Jesus is so good with his power. And, and I want to say this. Um, just believe this morning that he's going to help you. There's grace for this. There's grace for you. Why don't we pray and just have some time to reflect and invite the team up. Maybe just uh, take some time for a reflection. How has God been speaking this morning? Come Holy Spirit, we pray. Come Holy Spirit. Lord, we just acknowledge that uh, in our lifetimes we've experienced a lot of hurts along the way. Some of them are relatively small, and some of them to us, they just feel so large. The, the wounding was so great, and the betrayal was so significant. And uh, Father, we want to um, just acknowledge that, that it's really hard for us to deal with these things. And, and yet, Jesus and Lord, we, we hear you warning us about where unchecked anger and ruminated bitterness where that can actually lead to a stronghold in our life a place of, of where we're, our life is genuinely being sucked from us is being stolen from us would you I pray if there's unforgiveness in our lives or our hearts would you expose that and just as there is a path to, to move towards unforgiveness, there's also a path to grace. And I pray you would help us walk out that path, God. Give us courage, give us boldness. Jesus, we ask that um, if there's somebody that we might need to make things right with, if that's appropriate, I pray, Lord, you'd lead us in that journey. Uh, Lord, there, there may be someone that we can think of right in this moment, uh, right in this space where we go, I know I haven't forgiven them. And, and I'm just going to give you a space in this moment here. Take a, take a moment. You might be able to say, Lord, I release that person. So if you want to do that, you can do that right now. If somebody comes to mind.
And Jesus, we want to say thank you this morning for what you did to purchase our freedom and to cancel our debt, for the grace and forgiveness that's offered in Christ is, is uh, immeasurable. And uh, Lord, I pray you'd, you'd draw us as a community deeper into your grace, deeper into your love, deeper into your forgiveness. Help us as people get a glimpse of how good it is. And out of that, Father, I pray it would, it would be just easier for us as we move forward in our lives to, to let go of offenses, to be slow to get angry. We might be able to, in, in many ways, be just overcomers in this area, able to forgive, Lord, because of the abundant forgiveness that we've received. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, everyone, let's, uh, uh, if you can, just uh, uh, please stand and we'll respond in song. Um, as Derwin pointed out, we're going to look towards the cross, right? Um, and remember God's forgiveness for us. And um, yeah, and reflect on that as we forgive others. Once again, I thank you. 
Once again I pour out my life Thank you for the cross Thank you for the cross Thank you for the cross, my friend. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross, my friend. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross, my friend. Amen. Uh, this morning, I want to again invite you to join us. We have refreshments back there. Please uh, stick around uh, this Thanksgiving weekend. Some of you maybe don't have family around, so we're your family. So, like, hang out and uh, let's connect with one another. Um, if you like prayer today, and, and again, on a topic like we had today, there may be something significant that you need to pray about or pray with someone over and uh, invite you to come. Our prayer team is here every Sunday, and so we'd love to pray with you if that's the case. But let me uh, just grant you just a, a benediction, this blessing. May the amazing grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the abundant love of God our Father and the sweet, sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.